Hello, folks. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode for the Shiny Happy People podcast. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. And why did it take you so long to find us? Now that you found us, go back and take a look at some of our past episodes and give us some feedback. Okay, today's episode is an interview, and we have a very, very interesting conversation with Dr. Douglas O'Loughlin, who's known as Doug. He's the principal of the Dow of Thriving. He's an associate consultant with a civil service college and Heart Hill College in Singapore. He's actually originally from the US and he's, I think, been in Singapore for a long, 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 long while. And, and we'll probably get into that in the conversation. Now, what is Doug known for and how did I get to know Doug? Well, Doug is really amazing in the field of organization development. He's done some awesome work around it. He teaches on this. He is, is a faculty in different universities uh, and written several uh, articles, blogs, spoken at conferences. He's actually uh, been very instrumental in co-founding lots of different OD networks where professionals come together and uh, work uh, and just sort of do a little bit of learning with each other. Uh, one of the really cool things is he also written a book called Facilitating Transformation. 12 Strategies for Creating Breakthroughs with Groups. And this is a conversation that's been pending on my list of people to reconnect with for a long, long, long while. Hope you find this interesting and uh, stay tuned for right after this break. Okay, we have with us Dr. Douglas O'Loughlin. Douglas, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Vinay. Thanks for the invite. Um, this is really fun to hang out with you. Yeah, it's been um, several years since we met, and then we met at an airport and <laughs> a few other places. So I'm glad the podcast is bringing us into yeah, a conversation. Lovely. Right. So, so, Douglas, I mean, I got into OD about Ooh, six, seven years ago. And I think you've been doing it for how many years now? How long? How long? Ooh, yeah, believe it or not, 34 years. Uh, okay, 34 years. Yeah, can you imagine? I, I Even saying that is like, wow. Um, and I love it more than when I even got into it, which was like the best thing that ever happened in my life, probably. Yeah. Brilliant. So I, I you know, that's what I wanted to get into because uh, I got into it uh, by accident. So I call myself an accidental OD practitioners, but I would love to understand what led you into this. What's the chronology of how you discovered organization yeah. development? Well, I, I think this accidental thing, I have a feeling, well, sorry, not just a feeling, but I think almost everyone I talk to gets into it, sort of falls into it, you know, in right. some form or another. So for me, I actually had a career in IT first, mm. um, which helped me actually, uh, of course, looking back on it, uh, to have work with lots of people who are very cynical and skeptical IT folks in general. <laughs> uh, and I say that lovingly, I was that, you know, uh, and because I think it's good when we try to change a system um, that we understand that we understand the cynicism and skepticism. We don't go in there and just say uh, everything's going to be great. 
So I got into it really, I was at AT&T and uh, I just, I ended up uh, moving from a, a different business unit uh, into this field. And I got a, a name tag called organization development consultant, which I didn't really even understand when I first got the, my name card and title. Um, and then I kind of grew into it yeah, and started traveling around the world doing culture change work for AT&T. And that's how I ended up in this part of the world, sort of just came to visit. Yeah. Wow. So, so was this AT&T uh, back in the U.S. at the time? Or oh, yes. So start? AT&T was uh, in the yeah. U.S., uh, but yeah. then, of course, we had offices all around and factories and stuff in Singapore, Indonesia, uh, Thailand. So I started coming here with AT&T. And then uh, when I left the company, I came here to visit and I'm still here. It's been yeah, great. So, so, you, so what's interesting is you said, you know, the cynical folks in uh, organizations and then you were one of them and now had to convince all the other cynical people to uh, well, get on board right i always felt like i was sort of on the edge like i understood the cynicism and the skepticism and yet i was probably uh i think i was a little bit more like um like not optimistic but you know a little bit like let's move this ahead you know so i felt like i was on that edge a bit which i still feel like i am in some way and i feel like it's important yeah people yeah. have been many people in organizations especially big systems um you know they've all had their shares of ups and downs and i i think it's good to to, to really understand that yeah so just curious so you started career in the us you started traveling because of the work and then what made you uh, settle down in asia because i think you've been here what, over 30 20, years or 25 years? Yeah, almost well, 30, 29 almost 30 years. years. And, well. and that was really like, so I just, I left the company. I left AT&T. Actually, a whole department got retrenched. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and that's what they used to do, right, in the day to help their stock prices go up. Um, and uh, so I came here for a wedding dinner with no intention to um, to stay. I just came for the wedding dinner to, for a couple of weeks to say hi to my AT&T friends. And Prabhu Naidu, who I think you know. Yeah, 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 we know Prabhu, yeah. Him and I used to work together at AT&T. And the karmic connection between him and I is that he's sort of in facilitation because of me. And I'm in Singapore because of him, mm. which is really cool. Because when he heard I was coming over, he... He had a friend who organized like seminars and, and workshops. And he asked me if I, while I was here, could I do stuff? So I started doing workshops in KL, Jakarta and, and Singapore and things sort of took on a life of its own. So it was, I'm, I'm an accidental OD practitioner, <laughs> accidental Singaporean, Asian, whatever. And, uh, and it's been fabulous, yeah. So you, so you never unpacked that suitcase. I mean, or you unpacked that, it and never packed it again. All right, something like that. Yeah, it okay. kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. No, but that, that's sort of really, really interesting. And and you know, just because because even in the seven eight years that I've been in this field, it's so challenging to explain to people what OD is because they always say. You know, I even wrote uh, a quick blog about it where someone, when I told somebody I'm into OD, they said, oh, you're, so you're in training or, or you're right. in learning and yeah. development. I mean, is that, right. is that always, ha has it always been that way? <laughs> well, I think the, the thing with, with OD, you're right, it is hard to explain, I, I suppose. Um, but I think for me simply, uh, and, and by the way, I think, Vinay, when I, maybe I'll just back up one minute. When I first ended up in Singapore accidentally, I was teaching OD and in the class, this was, you know, 20, almost 30 years ago. And, and the class was filled with trainers. Yeah. 
So I knew that I wasn't gonna, they weren't going to become OD practitioners overnight. So the idea was to move along a spectrum and say, when the boss or somebody says, can you do this training, presentation skills, communication, ask why? How do you Correct. think this can help us? And even those simple questions help move along the spectrum, right? Because really, OD in a sense is uh, how to look at the whole system, Good. how to make sure we're doing things that help us be more impactful externally and healthier internally. Mm. And, and, that, and, and really looking at the, as, as a total system, not just doing uh, isolated interventions without thinking of the whole. So I would say, look at the whole system, and do whatever we can to, uh, yeah, think about impact externally and health internally. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of interesting because, uh, and I don't know whether you agree with me or not. It's too many. Okay, so I'm going to get controversial, I guess. <laughs> so too many OD practitioners come from HR. I think a lot more need to come from the business side, right? Um, ah. I, I don't know if you agree with me because when you get HR people only doing OD, I'm not saying they shouldn't. It's, it's just that it shouldn't become exclusive that OD is a human resource thing. It, it can also be every business leader, everybody needs to understand the whole OD uh, spectrum. No, I, I don't know I, if you agree with me on that. Well, I totally agree. And Chris, anyone who has the, has the uh, aptitude and, and, and affinity for the work. And it's a very interesting point because in the public service, so at some point uh, I was asked to join the Singapore Public Service, which I've been really for the last 10 over years. And some of our really best practitioners were in their respective business line in their right. ministry or agency. And wow, and they get it. And I feel, yeah, I, and even for me, I feel like having a career in IT first made, made me a better OD practitioner, as I've mentioned. So I absolutely agree. And yeah, and I think it's the ones who from the, from a, any kind of business, uh, and, and then they realize, wait a minute, we are not functioning as well as we can. Yeah. And then they have this, if they, they, they think systems, they understand people, it's not just about the people, the processes that help us be more impactful. So totally with you 100%. And we should be inclusive to anyone who really wants to make things better. I, I have a concern on the other side, which is a lot of people now calling themselves OD practitioners, but I'm, I'm not sure they really think whole systems, yeah, you know, even true. contracting <laughs> with the clients and yeah. all that hard work that goes into it. Yeah. That is so true. And, and it's so ironic because a lot of the work when I do with organizations, they say, we need people to be, think big picture, think strategic, mm. think, understand the whole thing. And I said, well, you know, and, and when I'm dealing with an internal OD practitioner or the person designated as, OD in charge, head of OD. They're just so narrow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So your outcome is you want the organization to think holistic, but you are not. Can you can yeah. I get you to step back a little yeah, bit? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And and even with you, Vinay, I mean, we've met a few times and chatted, and and I have a you said you've only been doing been aware of OD for six, seven years. I have a very strong feeling it's been much longer than that, even though you didn't have the maybe some of the language or the tools of the field, yeah. you know, thinking systems, you don't have to be an OD to think systems and health. And, you know, you don't just work with the team, you work with the team in a larger context, all right. those, those kind of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, correct. I mean, um, I started my career also in technology and in banking. And uh, I, if you think about it, probably been doing elements of OD all my life. But when I say seven years, 
it's only when I got comfortable calling myself an OD practitioner because <laughs> I, I, I felt like I'd earned it or at least deepened my understanding of it enough to be able to label myself. Uh, very, as one. <laughs> very humble of you. No. Now, so have you seen, because uh, you said you teach as well, right? You taught, and yes. I believe you were at, teaching at a university, uh, OD, and, and you taught that for quite a while, and you're still doing it, aren't you? So, um, I mean, I've, I've been teaching it in some form for many years, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess for the last few years, it's mostly been, uh, and why I really got excited about join, joining civil service college, Singapore Public Service, was the idea that there was all these uh, people who wanted to be OD consultants across, you know, the ministries and the agencies. So we've developed quite a nice curriculum for mm-hmm. them. I did teach for a few years at the uh, Masters in OD at Assumption University in, right. in Thailand. So that was great. And I, I find great joy in sharing that and helping people, you know, spread, spread it, pass it on, so to speak, right? So uh, I think our, all organizations can use a little boost yeah, and become healthier. Yeah. So, so you know, that's great. And, and I'm glad you've been sort of... Uh, spreading the word of the the, the profession uh, but I had a question maybe nobody's ever asked I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this as you've come across all of these people wanting to learn OD is there you know after interacting with them for a few weeks or whatever you sort of recognize that yep they've got the ingredients to be a great OD practitioner or this person's going to be very transactional uh, how do you know what, what are those ingredients that make somebody or the building blocks of a great OD practitioner? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And actually, I do think about it a lot. And I do get asked, like, I'm actually working with uh, a client now that wants to select uh, change champions or OD folks from across the whole organization. So Mm. they were like, what should we look for, right? Right, exactly. So the two that if I interact with a few few, months, like you just mentioned, uh, would be... uh, First of all, they have to really have a passion for wanting to make things better. It's not something you can be arrowed to do and, and all that. I mean, you can and it can be done as a, as a job, but it's really nice if people are curious, they think systems. I, I think the, the other one is they also, there, it does take a certain, um, uh, it does help to be smart enough, right? Because we deal with, um, and I'm not talking about men's kind. I'm just saying that uh, because in, in the work that we do, we deal with senior leaders often, right? right? And we need to be smart enough to know how to bounce off ideas with them and not be afraid of them and, and, and be able to engage with them. So I, I honestly think that, you know, a, a passion for the work, smart enough and, you know, good enough communication skills, social intelligence, the one that's invisible to me and when I teach, but I always tell organizations like this one I'm working with, is if we went to where these people worked, they would be deeply respected uh, by the people they work with, their peers, the people work for them, their bosses, as somebody who's credible, reliable, and does their best to work within the system. That one I cannot see in a classroom, right? Right. But, uh, but I think it's it's really important to have that. Is that it? Is that enough of an answer? On the yeah, yeah, no, I I like what you said, particularly on the social intelligence piece as well. And it's also one maybe two things that I've I've encountered. And I'd love to get your thoughts. One is to be able to not have too much hubris 
and deal with the hubris of everybody else. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. And the second one is I like yeah. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Thank you. And the other one is uh, patience. Uh, that it, you know when you're trying to do that systemic change or or, or turn the 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 tanker right. It's not going to happen overnight. It's there's no quick fixes to it. And I've seen many people get into that quick fix thing. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's got to. You got to have the patience to plot through it, to go through every stage, to work with the people, and not just push everything through it. That's something I've noticed more and more. I love that. I, I have a way of saying that or, and, and also thinking about it and living it, which is because, because of that patience, because it's longer term, uh, I find that we're going to bang our head against the wall. We're going to be disappointed quite mm-hmm. a bit. Right. And, you know, one of my mantras inside my head is I'd, I'd rather deal with disappointment than give it up on being idealistic about the possibilities of an organization. Oh, you know, nice. That, yeah. I really feel like it's a, become a way of life, an important way of life, because um, there will it, there will be uh, things that happen along the way, and not to give up our our hopes for what the the, the organization um, can can be, you know. You're listening to the Shiny Happy People podcast. Subscribe to us on your favorite platforms. This podcast is sponsored by C2COD, your organizational development consulting partner, bringing people and strategy together. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook using the handle at C2COD and get updates on our upcoming episodes. So, so that's, int- you know, you did the civil service college thing, working with the government and did, and, and then you worked with the corporate sector as well. Yeah, Do you find right. that patience levels different when working with government? Uh, are governments more long term because they're not? They don't have that churn of you got to get rid of five percent. You don't have a PNL, a bottom line, a share price, all of that. Whereas companies are pushing for that a quarterly focus. Yeah. Did you? Well, I guess the Singapore public services a little bit they try we try to be a little bit more uh, corporate in that sense you know mm. although we don't do all the kind of things some of those things like the extreme um, private sector kind of thing we don't have bottom line profits that that help move us along right. um, but i think we move along okay um yes a little bit more uh, patience you know and if if i do a quick like i think public service and maybe social sector. I work a lot in the social sector, community development stuff. And I find that people in these two sectors tend to be a little bit more um, polite maybe. And so part of the OD challenge there in order to move things along is to get people to open up and talk a little bit about how, what's happening and, and just share different opinions and maybe even disagree with what's happening. Right. Uh, and the private sector, a little bit more, uh, People are, because they kind of move along faster and the performance is important uh, for, for there, it might be take some of those ideas and, and kind mm. of help them synergize. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I see that happening. And, and also the fact that the civil services in Singapore and they were open to OD, it means that there is an understanding that it's going to take time. We want to work through it, et cetera. And, and I don't know if you've got any stories because... Uh, I, you know, I always 
give the story of two CEOs that I worked with. Okay. One yeah. who had taken an OD course himself long ago in his career, understood it, and his approach to whatever the program that we were trying to, the intervention that we were running and was very thoughtful, very structured. And, you know, uh, he said, I'd rather, uh, I remember his statement and it just so resonated for me. He said, I'd rather get it done right than fast. Wow. You nice. know, and, and that's like from a CEO. And then the other one who was just, nope, uh, tell me what you can get done in the next two weeks. I need to, I need to get the needle. I need to see some needle movement here. Okay. Uh, what do you mean three to six months? I need one to two months. There's no way. I, I was just hitting my head on the wall trying to convince him that. Uh, have you encountered both types, that exposure? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or, or you see more of the second type than first. I like, no, like you, I, you have your two. I, I think there's a whole spectrum, right? Spectrum, along, right. Yeah. Along the way. And, and actually, you, you, what you're alluding to, which I do think is a really important point, is that the ultimate practitioners of OD are the leaders. Exactly. I mean, we as consultants, whatever, we support, uh, we support the journey and all that. We're like Sherpas, right? Uh, but ultimately, it's the leaders uh, and the, their ability, capability, belief in putting on an OD lens, right? And thinking... Uh, so how do you move fast and slow, right? How do you get things done and still build up the capability? I've seen, I've seen a pretty, uh, well, like you, a full, full range. And it is a bit more challenge. Even in the public service, we have leaders who want everything now. And so uh, how to help them see the value that uh, we, we can add. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and for me, the big differentiator I've seen in, along the spectrum is the more the exposure those leaders have had to OD practices or OD concepts, theory, or, or under, even read case studies around it, there's, there's a better realization of the importance and doing it right versus those that think it's just a activity and they don't know much about what goes behind it are the ones that are more pushy. I, I don't know if I wish we could expose more leaders to the theory concepts and frameworks of OD. So uh, that actually happened in a, and there's a paper, which I guess you can send along with the podcast that I wrote uh, years hmm. ago when we start, when OD really became a movement in the public right. service, I realized a lot of our leaders didn't really understand what OD was. So I wrote a paper called OD for Leaders. Uh, I think if you can, can send oh, it out. Oh, great. We'll put it out in the track notes, yeah. Um, but I really did try to inform leaders that um, I use a, a quite simple frame, which is, you know, what does it mean for you, you know, as a mm. leader, your use of self and how you show up and all that. How do you, as a leader, um, how do you interact with other people? What about the meetings you run? What about the decisions that you know are made, and then how do you deal with your larger system, your organization, some frameworks and models and change? So, um, yeah, and I think that was quite helpful for our leaders to get a handle on what exactly this meant for them. Mm. And it's hard for anyone who really understands what OD is about. I mean, who, who would possibly resist the idea of an organization being more impactful <laughs> externally <laughs> and more healthier internally? Um, so when they see that they can do that and, and still go fast, but the ones who really want to go fast, um, it doesn't mean they, they can't use OD, right? It could be as simple as changing the way they run their meetings. Yeah. It could be thinking about when they think about the system, 
don't change the structure, thinking the structure is going to get them a quick fix. Understand if you mm. want to really transform, you think about your mission first and your culture and structure would follow, things like that. You don't have to be a, uh, yeah, they, if people really have that thing, they want to go fast. Um, there's plenty of OD tools and ways of thinking that can help them. Yeah. 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 And uh, so what have you seen? Uh, how has, since you first started to today, I mean, you've seen this field evolve. What, what would be two or three things that stick out for you as the biggest evolutions in the field oh, of OD? That's a really good question. Um, a little history lesson on that was that OD in the U.S., had a seat at the table, so to speak, for many, yeah, for correct. quite a few for, years. And what in, happened in the early days, right? Yeah. In the early days. And then what happened, exactly what I shared earlier with me. So companies realized their stock prices could go up when they re retrench people because it shows they're serious about the business. So the organization started doing that. And the OD folks, where we all, you know, kind of understood about change and all that. But it went, it went against the values of OD folks who were like, you know, just retrench people just so you can make more money. Is that really a, is that really a humane thing to do? So OD lost, uh, didn't want to do some of that work and kind of lost it, seat at the table. So it's been slowly uh, getting it back. That's from a U.S. perspective. Um, and because I'm from there, it's, I find it quite interesting. Here in Asia, it's been coming up. Uh, I think growing and growing. Mm. Um, and I feel like we've also grown in the levels of the system, a little bit more thinking about teams, um, a little bit more, uh, I, I would say it's a gradual thing about getting more people involved in creating the future. Right. So, you know, in the, in the old days of organizations anywhere in the world, the top people would decide the future, the direction, the strategy, uh, the structure, almost anything came from just the top couple of people. And so I, I would say if there's a trend, which I, I find I, I think is really helpful, uh, is getting more and more people involved in determining their future. Marv Weisbord, you know, like, uh, you know, people create what they they own, what they help to create or, you know, yeah, nobody yeah. changed the oil and a rental car kind of kind of deal. So the idea of large group interventions or, or something like that. So I would say that's a trend that... Yeah, and bringing in more facilitation and, you know, leveraging the wisdom of the group and not just the wisdom on the individual, right? Yeah, yeah. Correct. Because when a system makes, even with org design, there's this kind of thinking that um, you can't let people get involved in designing their own, you know, structure because it's personal and all that, which I agree so, you know, we've moved towards more getting people involved in creating the design principles, right? Mm. Um, the criteria of which we're going to look at our design and our structure. And then maybe it's a smaller group that does that work. But you know, I think that's the trend, which is, uh, I think, very positive and, and, and quite clear, I think, across, I, I guess, more in Asia, at least what I've seen, and I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of the world, but, you know, OD has become quite popular in many countries. Well, India was probably the first country in, in Asia to really, um, really adopt. Uh, Dr. Uday Parikh was the one yeah. who really brought OD to Asia. Um, and of course, uh, he's uh, in India. So it was, so I think that trend continues. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, I, I think you're right. And the one thing that I've also started to see is, and, and you, it's interesting you started talking about the seat at the table. I've seen, there's still exceptions, but I've seen an increasing number of cases where 
the office of OD reports into the CEO and not the the HR person, right? Or, yeah. or there was the L and OD was the most common title in this country in India, at yeah. least learning and OD. And, and what happened then was whenever an OD uh, change or whatever came up, the only way to tackle it was with a learning program, a workshop. Right. Whereas yeah. there were so many other things, and now they've started to separate that too. Learning and development is separate, <laughs> and OD is separate. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big plus. Uh, that it gets because you you can't double hat, triple hat, uh, quadruple hat a role and say be good at all of them. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's a really good point, and and uh, so I re- really like the idea of those separation and also the for the coordination between all those functions. Yes. So, like Correct. to me, if L and D and you know leadership development, uh, HR, strat planning, OD, whatever, if we can leverage off each other's strengths that we bring each function will get better like the lnd function will get better the od function will get better and the organization benefits so if we can specialize and you know what's a, a differentiate and integrate right a key principle yeah yeah one of my clients just they have a chief strategy officer and okay. the head of od reports to him and i was like and not the chief hr officer and that's I'm like, nice. wow, that's interesting. And, and I, I just heard about it. And I said, can I talk to you? I want to understand your motivation yeah. and why you did that. Because that, you know, it's an exception. Um, I'm not saying it should be a rule, but it's just a recognition that, uh, and, and the, the strategy guy said, well, OD interventions are CapEx. They're long-term. We, we consider them over one year, uh, most of them. And therefore, everything that goes into a one-year thing is an OPEX. It goes into, uh, I'm just like, wow, okay. So you've nice. got a mature understanding of what OD really is. And uh, have they and, been doing it long enough to see the fruits of that? Yeah, uh, they have. They've been doing it for two or three years. And and I was, and, and they're doing it very quietly. I said, guys, you need to be screaming from the rooftops, yeah. letting everybody else know the amazing stuff you guys are doing. <laughs> But yeah, and actually, I would like for it not to, well, uh, in a public service and, well, any client I work with, um, actually, I, I would hope that's not uh, the exception uh, yeah. because really the strat folks should be looking at the future, right, which is what they do. And OD should be looking at what do we need? What are the capabilities, Correct. the leadership, the culture, um, that the cap- the organization capabilities that we need to achieve that future state. So um, we sometimes call it like a, a like a walking person. You know, strategy is one leg, and then the OD and and even HR is is the follows. You know, kind of uh, step by step. Yeah. yeah so I, yeah. sounds like a good match to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great and and, it's, uh, and there's a lot of work that's happening out there that's impactful you know like you said uh, they're seeing the fruits of it but they, it just doesn't get published it doesn't yeah. get out there and I, I don't know if uh, we're doing enough justice to the profession yeah well, that's a really interesting comment um yeah do you have any ideas for this because yeah we i, I think there there is not enough written about it and the second thing is like the coaching profession mm. has done a really good job of, you know, certifications and all that. 
And OD, we've been talking about this, well, even before I joined, I know that's been an ongoing discussion. Do we certify OD consultants? And it's always been seen as a bit difficult because it, you know, it's a, such a so large broad. Scope. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, yeah, we don't exactly uh, get the word out there about the power of the work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or when you do get it out, it, it's sort of uh, the, the old American expression, right? We're drinking our own Kool-Aid. It stays in the, <laughs> <laughs> within our community, whereas it should be everybody uh, reading about it and saying, oh, that looks like interesting work. That's just not out there. But yeah, maybe we need to get out. But, but you've been doing it. You've been doing that with all your courses and stuff. Have, have you seen the kind of People who come through the OD courses change? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, years ago, uh, well, like I said, when I first started. Trainers, teaching, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, almost 30 years ago, it was like trainers who the big thing was, can you at least ask why we're doing this training? Or like, <laughs> yeah. to move on that continuum a little bit. And now, uh, and then we started this in the public services foundations of OD course, right? Mm. Like. 10 12 years ago i guess it was and then people were coming in you know what is od or you know when the facilitator network of singapore started i'm not sure yeah about you. Yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah. people would come have these big conferences and i'd be at a table with people and i'd be like why are you here they say i don't know my boss hurts facilitation is like this new thing we should come learn what it is you know that kind of thing <laughs> same thing yeah yeah exactly. and od and, and facilitation is similar in that in that respect now we get people, I taught a, a three-day foundations of OD uh, last week in the public service. The people that come to the course um, really are already have a good foundation and they're doing the work and they're thinking systems and they understand a lot of things. So to see that is just is mind-boggling. Sometimes I want to cry with joy uh, out of seeing how things have uh, progressed. Yeah. And even uh, in, in Thailand and a lot of the reason in India, I know for sure, there's so many good things happening. Myanmar, there's a lot of great uh, practitioners there. Japan, yeah, Philippines, of course, uh, and pockets in Malaysia and Indonesia. So I, I just think it's really exciting to see how the awareness has has uh, risen a lot. A lot of leaders talking about OD. Yeah, yeah. So the umbrella is is wider in terms of the people who are coming into it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I I even think that. Sometimes the ones who come to our foundation course that nowadays, you know, this, you know, couple of years have more understanding of OD than the ones who were going for the advanced course 10, 12 years ago, who yeah. didn't really even understand what OD was. So I, I think that's a pretty good indication that, uh, you know, we're, we're making progress, right? Think, that. Thinking, to yeah. me, it's thinking systems, right? Think the systems and how to make us healthier. Yeah. That is so positive to hear that, that that is happening this is brilliant uh, yeah, so even that uh, even uh, i do some some uh, facilitation with uh, od alternatives and yeah OD yeah. yeah 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 and uh yeah it's just the, the people are coming typically hr uh, yeah. but they don't come in thinking like what is od they come in with a bat with a foundation in hr but already understanding that just dealing with individuals is not enough right that you need to think of the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I just got finished my term on the board of the International Association of Facilitators. Right. And uh, we just spent so much time talking about OD and facilitation playing a big role in it as, as one of the core skills and, you know, mm -hmm. all of that group process stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So how can I ask on that? Because I I think when we're in this work, and I think you did it even before, okay, you you waited a while to to put a stake in the ground and and be willing to say you're an OD practitioner. But but if you do any of this work, and maybe facilitation is the best example, um, we, or even coaching, right? Like we want to make, we, we work with a team or work with a system or an individual. At some point, we realize that um, it doesn't have the impact that we would like because there's larger factors at play, which could mm. limit the effectiveness of intervention that we're facilitating. So when IF talks about uh, the OD aspect, what, what kind of things do you all talk about? So, so two, th- a couple of things. We, we sort of talk about, you know, begin with the end in mind. What, what is you know, where are we going and why? And let's define what the destination is. Let's mm. define what we are trying to achieve. Uh, and when we get a group together uh, in a room and we're using group process, uh, be very clear on what the desired outcomes for that right. conversation are and how that might play one role into the larger picture of the right. destination we're going to, right? right. So, so go piece by piece. Don't try to boil the you know, try everything at the same time. Uh, you can't solve 10 problems in one meeting. Let's maybe focus on two two issues in this meeting and let's achieve the outcomes we want to do before we go on to the next. So it's about going in a very methodical uh, step-by-step way, allowing enough room for conversation. That's the other thing, right? You can't force the pace. You, you can't go, you can't, you know, we always say, if you're going to get groups to diverge on opinions and ideas, don't force the convergence. Right. right. <laughs> and, and that's what we do. Kind of, you don't really want too much of a divergence because then we know convergence becomes difficult. Right. So we then say, okay, let's diverge within this boundary so that we can quickly converge. And that's not, that's not <laughs> doing justice to either uh, step or the group. Right. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. So, so we have a lot of that. And, and in change management, particularly, uh, you know, whichever model you want to use, seven steps, eight steps, whatever, right? Uh, how do you uh, facilitate the right conversation and recognize the dynamics in the room? Yeah, we ought to have more of these because, uh, I mean, facilitation, and it's really such a key skill, right, to yeah. have. Um, I, I, sorry, it's rather obvious, but... Uh, um, yeah, I think there's more, a lot more intersection between the, the community, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so how have you, uh, been sort of keeping up to the trends? What do you read? What, you know, we, we have a section called, uh, read, watch, listen. What are some of your recommendations that you, to our listeners that you would suggest oh um i was watching some of the other podcasts and i know it seems most just give one but uh can i get a little carried away yeah yeah sure absolutely well od is much bigger it can't be one right od is okay wow you're such a good host you're so generous (laughs) and uh, um so you know at, at public service we created a video library of od videos uh on vimeo i i'll send you the link so if you can put that in with this, uh, with that OD for Leaders article, I think. Oh, that's great. That would be awesome. So th- there's 79 videos. Most of them are five or 10 minutes. Um, wow. And people can just browse it uh, and pick, look at topics, everything from 
lots on change and complexity and large group interventions and just about every topic. Uh, and some of them, uh, some with teams and some with, you know, really thought leaders from around the world. So mm. like even uh, Mian Chung Judge, who I think is, yeah. you know, one of the best, if not the best OD practitioner in the world. There's a bunch of uh, ones for her sharing her thoughts and it's all free and can be shared. And wow. I feel like it's the best kept secret of uh, OD resource um, that I'm aware of. Um, free and, and short, you know, they're not like hour long uh, uh, kind of thing. So, th so that's a video resource, the OD for Leaders paper I mentioned. Mm. Um, for books, oh, here's one that I think is a lovely intersection that we just talked about. Um, do you know the book, Don't Just Do Something, Stand There? I have vaguely heard it. Who, who wrote yeah. it? So Marv, Marv Weisbord, who is really okay. a pioneer in the field, and Sandra Janoff, I mean, they're both in the OD kind of Hall of Fame kind of thing. Um, they've been doing this for a long time. And so they wrote this book, uh, and, and it's really using, it's really facilitation, best facilitation book that I am aware of, mm. um, using the OD principles. So they have 10 principles. Some are about how to structure uh, uh, an intervention, a meeting uh, uh, from a structural point, and four about principles for our own self, for what we can do standing in front of a room facilitating, and how do we hold the space for that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, just a lovely intersection between what we just talked about, the facilitation and the OD. Right. And if somebody wants to go like a, a really quite deep dive into the field, um, I mentioned uh, uh, Mian Chung Judge and her third edition of her book, Organization Development, um, which she wrote with Linda Holbeck, who's a HR kind of expert. I would say those would be um, good places to start. Yeah. Wow. This, uh, you've given me lots to read up on. Thank you. You've, and I see a lot of books behind you. So I know you're, yeah. you're a voracious you, uh, leader, reader. In the middle of a couple of books, I was reading two books this morning, yeah, which are quite interesting, yeah. Brilliant. So, so Douglas, our podcast is called The Shiny Happy People. And the reason, so if the if REM song is playing in your head, the, the goal is achieved. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the reason we called it is, it's also about trying to understand that all of us in various professions, how do we keep ourselves motivated? How do we keep ourselves happy? So what's your secret? What are your rituals that you do to keep yourself positive, motivated, and happy? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. I probably should have seen this one coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> Given shiny, happy people. And I love that song. Um, I, I think I do quite a few things, but, but I think there is one that stands out, uh, which is, uh, I, I would say every day, maybe I don't know how many times, 20, 30, 40 times a day, I, I say a, a prayer, a thank you. You know, I, I, I make it a point to feel, you know, a sense of gratitude for being alive, for seeing a tree, for talking to you. Uh, and, and so I feel that kind of fills me up, you know, um, a lot. So there's other lots, other little, smaller things, but to me, that's, I think that's the big one, you know, is not wait for something bad to happen to go like, oh, thank goodness I'm healthy or alive or whatever. Every morning, I, you know, so nice to be back, you know, and even when I go to bed at night, I, I say to my wife, Christy, I like hope to see you in the morning, you know, thanks for everything. <laughs> and so I, there, it's a lot of gratitude, which I, I think is a, 
a very helpful way to do life. Yeah. Yeah. How's that, that sound? That's brilliant. That attitude of gratitude is, uh, and you're doing yeah. it so frequently, right? So that's brilliant. And, yeah. and definitely I, uh, the passion in your voice for everything that you do, Odi, is very self-evident when you kind of listen to it and, and how much you enjoy what you do. So thank you for elevating our profession, Douglas. And uh, Same to you, Vina. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful, yeah. It's brilliant. Thank you for being on the podcast and it's been great. Thank you, my friend. And we have to catch up. Okay. Sounds Take good. care, friend. Okay. I hope you found that conversation interesting. I always sort of say that. I hope you found this conversation interesting. This one, I could have gone for a long time. I mean, Doug is really cool. He's got lots of resources and nuggets that uh, he shared with us. I, I think the show notes will have quite a lot of resources. So I hope you find them useful. I'm, I'm glad I managed to connect with him and hopefully soon uh, I should be in Singapore and we'll meet him in person. I'll keep you all updated as to how that goes. Okay, folks, it's pretty much a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening in. Send us your feedback and it's over and out.